This is A New Angle, a show about cool people doing awesome things in and around Montana. I'm your host, Justin Angle. This show is supported by First Security Bank, Blackfoot Communications, and the University of Montana College of Business. Hey folks, welcome back and thanks for tuning in. It's the most wonderful time of year here in Montana, and to chat all about it, I'm joined by Michael Legg, Executive Director of the Montana Repertory Theater, and Stephanie Nolan from Missoula's Pavarello Center. When you come to the theater, it's community. You can feel the reactions, the laughter, the whatever it is, sort of ripple through that house, and it, I, I think it creates an energy that that is unlike anything else that you can experience. These two great organizations have partnered in the production of Hearth, a Yuletide tale, with performances from December 2nd to the 11th. Michael, Stephanie, thanks for coming on the show. Thanks so much for having us. Thanks for having us here. So tell us, where did you grow up and what did your parents do? Stephanie, start with you. I grew up in New Orleans, Louisiana. My dad was a manufacturer's rep. He's a salesman. My mom was a stay-at-home mom. I grew up in a pretty normal suburban life with the exception of having a fish fry every Friday night and getting to go to Mardi Gras and all those things. <laughs> yeah, sounds like a fantastic place to grow yeah. up. Michael, how about you? Where'd you grow up? Yeah. What'd your parents do? I grew up in the mountains of East Tennessee, That's about right. as far east that you can get in the state and still be in the state. In a very rural town called Telford, which to this day still does not have a single traffic light. Mm. Um, and my parents both worked in factories. They both worked third shift a lot. So I was very much a latchkey kid. And you're in, is it year four now? As, this is year like, five. Year five at the Rep. Amazing. Yeah. So we are here to talk about this amazing production that uh, the Rep is about to unveil. Hearth, tell us about it. Yeah, so Hearth is is, is our, one of our first major forays into commissioning full-length shows. Mm. I mean, the Rep has always had a history of supporting local writers, but the vast majority, I mean, all of that support was in the form of workshops and developmental readings. And, you know, I, a lot of the playwrights that I know and work with get stuck in that developmental cycle. They just get people to work on their play for a week or two here or there. But that first full production is really hard to come by. And so at the Rep, we made a commitment. We're going to support local artists and we're going to support them all the way f to full production. Sure. And this is the first one of those that we're we're doing. So can, can we press on that a little bit? Yeah. I mean, the, the mechanics and what's involved, it sounds like, you know, through my lens as a business professor, that is sort of like spending a a bunch before revenue, right? Like you're absolutely. you're making a big advance commitment on a, on a production of this scale. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you're making and not only in terms of money, but resources and like time and yeah. energy. It's very much like bringing a, big a child into the world. <laughs> yeah, and so it starts with just finding a playwright whose whose work that you really trust and believe in, because you're also saying I'm giving you some money and some time to write a play, and it gets to be whatever you want it to mm. be, and we're going to pledge to support. It. And so right up front, it's like, who who are the playwrights that you're like, I, I would produce anything that you wrote. And that's sort of how it came to be with Tyson Gerhardt, who's one of the co-writers of this play. I, I met him first as a musician. Mm -hmm. I saw him in concert, him and his band, the Recession Special. They were amazing. And his lyrics were... I don't know if you've listened to some of his music. It's pretty incredible. The lyrics were very based in story. He's very much an old school Woody Guthrie-esque mm. protest song writer. And just hearing that, I'm like, you're a writer. And so I said, do you want to write a play? And I think he said to me, I have never done that before. Wow. <laughs> and I said, I, I know, but I trust 
that this is a thing that you can do. And I think it should be rooted in the same sort of style as your music. And I think it should be rooted in the things that you're interested in. And that's how we started it off. And at what stage, Stephanie, did, did you and the Pavarella Center get involved in the, in the production? Marie reached out to me from The Rep and asked if we would like to participate with them because Hearth is about the plight of, of homelessness. It focuses on homelessness, and we jumped at the opportunity. Excellent. So I assume, without giving too much away, Michael, sure. the plot must highlight some of the critical issues facing our community that the Pavarella Center supports? You know, it does. It does in a very sort of holistic and holiday kind of way. I mean, I think, you know, the thing about Tyson, and, and, and he doesn't mind me sharing this, but there have been points in his life when he has experienced homelessness. Mm-hmm. He's worked as a busker on the street, and that culture is something that he's very involved in and, 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 and uh, works toward helping. And so... For Tyson, I think what he wanted to do is show in in a very sort of timeless way, mm-hmm. right, what it is like to experience life in a community that we may not be used to, like what some of those hardships are. And, and the plays actually takes place, you know, in 1970. Uh, in a very nondescript place. And it focuses largely on a young boy named Tom who meets this group of vagabonds and buskers and through the interaction with them learns how to care for his community and more importantly, how to meet his community where they are, not to try to change them, not to try to correct any behaviors that might have led here, but how to meet them where they are in terms of assistance. Stephanie, let's talk a little bit about the POV. And you know, for listeners who don't know, tell us about the organization. What is it you're trying to do? And what are the critical services you provide to this community? Sure. The Pavarello Center is a 40-plus-year-old nonprofit organization started by just a few community members here in Missoula to try to serve the homeless folks that were living in the area. And it has grown into quite a large organization. We're incredibly proud of the growth that we've had over the past couple of years. I think a lot of people know about the Pavarello Center on Broadway, which is our main shelter. We also operate the emergency winter shelter um, on the south side of town on behalf of the city and the county. We have a homeless outreach team, um, which are people who work with uh, the chronically unsheltered folks. Um, And so they work to try to provide resources, provide, you know, whatever they may need to make it through the weather. A lot of people out there are shelter resistant. So those people who are shelter resistant, you know, for any number of reasons do, you know, still deserve to have to be treated with dignity and care. And so our housing outreach team, affectionately known as HOT, the HOT team, they are working to try to create relationships with those folks and get them into housing, move them from unsheltered houselessness into housing, into maybe just a shelter to begin with. We also have a medical respite facility. We have a couple of rooms at the Pavarello Center where if someone is living unhoused and they go through some sort of injury or illness and they need to be hospitalized, uh, but they're not ready to be released back out um, onto the street yet, that um, they can come stay in our medical respite facilities for a couple of days and receive proper medical care, make sure wounds heal before they go back out onto the street. We also serve veterans here in the community. We have a few different veterans programs, transitional housing for veterans who are coming out of homelessness and into um, a housing situation. Um, One is the Housing Montana Heroes, and I'm sure people in Missoula are familiar with the fact that 
We've just recently, the Pavarello's just recently purchased the uh, Clark Fork uh, Hotel. Right. They are renovate. We're renovating right now and turning that into a facility for veterans. We also operate the Valor House, which is kind of over by Target off of that area. And we have regular rooms at the Pavarello for for veterans as well. And we also provide kind of full service wraparound care for veterans, making sure they're getting to their their uh, medical appointments on time, yep. making sure they're fed, making sure that they're living in a community with other veterans so that they can share experiences and, you know, share their lived experiences together. And the PAV also also operates a food some food programs. We serve two hot meals every day at the shelter at the shelter on West Broadway. We're serving one to two hot meals a day at the um, winter emergency winter shelter location. We also operate a food pantry for people who cannot make it to uh, meal serve meal meal services. And 90% of the food that we serve at the Pavarello is donated. So it is a huge undertaking to make sure that people are being fed, but it's a great opportunity for local community members, anybody, you don't have to be staying at the pub. You can just come and eat at the pub or use the food pantry. So it's one step towards providing security for folks when they are trying to find housing. Super. So Michael, one of the things I've really enjoyed about your tenure here, and this is certainly a tradition of theater and the rep in general, but the power of theater to sort of bring you into a social issue that you might not have otherwise thought about or or felt in such a way. I'm thinking sure. about your your winter production. I can't remember the name of it. It escapes me. But it was these two high school friends yeah. that were experiencing the effects of differences in social status, differences in income, differences in resources, and, yeah. and how it just – the intimacy that you experience with those characters. What is it about theater that, that has the power to, to – do that with issues in such a yeah. way that that pushes you past your comfort. Point. Yeah, I mean, at, at its heart, I think it's the power of storytelling, right? Yeah. The thing about theater is it's primal. We've been telling stories to each other as as a way of sharing information, of of passing down history, of like holding off the darkness <laughs> for a, for as long as humans have existed. Mm -hmm. And so that I think is is part of why it can be so successful as a medium for for dealing with some of these issues. I think for us, those kinds of partnerships and those kinds of stories are really, really important, especially the show that you were talking about, The Castle with a Thousand Lights, That's which right. is the tour that we took around to middle and high schools across the state. Mm -hmm. You know, one of the things that we're learning now, and I'm, I'm working on a separate project at the university right now that deals with uh, the state of mental health in in Montana. Right. And and a lot of those conversations what we're learning are that you know there's a, a, a complete and total lack of appropriate mental health care in the state. There aren't I I heard somebody say the other day that there's only one licensed psychologist in the entire eastern half of the state. Yeah, and it's something like one psychologist per 5400 residents. Yeah, the yeah, ratio yeah, is yeah. And especially now when we're looking at things changing in terms of uh, ratios potentially with yeah. counselors and students in schools, you know, one of the things that we're trying to do is is but it's entertaining, but we're also trying to help kids gain language for how to just have this conversation. Like we're not trying to solve any issues. We're not pushing a political agenda. But what we really feel is that we have a very unique platform from which we can say, 
to these to these kids or to, or to the people in the audience is like you are not alone. <laughs> these things uh, exist, and there are ways that we can talk about them together. And the other thing I love about theater is that theater, you know, and I say this to my students all the time in class, is that when you get a theater degree, what you're learning, you're getting a degree in empathy. <laughs> you're spending your in you know your academic time here learning how to stand in the shoes of another human being yes. and what a gift that is to be able to really understand someone else's circumstances. And that's another gift that I think theater gives. And there's something different about the theater versus, uh, you know, seeing it on a movie or, you know, I think of the consequences of COVID and like so much of our entertainment consumption has been pushed towards streaming services. Yeah. And, and, and yeah. That, you know, that, br- that brings a lot of benefits in, in many ways, but there's something about being in a theater and seeing the actors on the stage live in the moment, as you say, sort of embodying empathy right there, that, it, yes, it is entertaining, but it also, it's disarming to the audience in a way. Like, I've experienced levels of discomfort in myself that I'm kind of prepared for subconsciously through sure. the experience. Does that make sense? It makes total sense. And and what's unique, too, the difference between the, the on the couch Netflix experience is that, you know, you're having that alone <laughs> or yeah. with maybe one or two other people in your family. But when you come to the theater, it's it's community. It is a communal experience. We're sitting there in the dark receiving this story together. You can feel the reactions, the laughter, the whatever it is sort of ripple through that house. And it, I, I think it creates an energy that that is unlike anything else that you can experience. Absolutely. And some of the parallels to, I'm sure, working at the POV and then for folks who have volunteered at the POV, volunteering is is a, is a pretty amazing way to not only give back, but to sort of, yeah, experience that empathy that we, we just talked about. Stephanie, as you think about theater and storytelling, what are some ways that you've thought about engaging with the community more broadly to support the issues that you're all trying to draw attention to? You're talking about volunteerism, and that is a huge part of it. We have a very, very robust volunteer program that we're so grateful for. Mm -hmm. It's amazing how much the community supports the POV. It's so great to live in such a special place where where everybody just comes out to help. One of the things that happens when you do start working at the POV is you – take shifts for at every at every level of role that's available there. Sure. So if you know if you're somebody like me who's, you know, kind of behind the scenes and I'm um, doing fundraising pieces, I'm still, you know, serving lunches, I can still go work at the front desk, I can still go out on a ride with the hot team. And so having that experience and really experiencing what our staff how our staff works, how we work with our clients You're talking about learning the language of people who are experiencing um, houselessness and people who are chronically unsheltered. It's a whole different life. It's a whole different language that I just don't think unless you are there, you know, you can really start to wrap your head around it and, and feel it. We'll be back to our conversation with Stephanie Nolan and Michael Legg after this short break. A New Angle is supported by First Security Bank, Blackfoot Communications, and UM's College of Business. Access to capital, broadband, and education are three ingredients any community needs for success. This is Anne Helen Peterson, and I am a senior culture writer at BuzzFeed News, and you're listening to A New Angle. Welcome back to A New Angle. 
We're talking about Hearth with Michael Legg and Stephanie Nolan. One of the things that I really found remarkable when I started working at the POV is the winter shelter is what they call a low barrier shelter, okay. which means that anybody can go there. You don't have to be sober. You don't have to be looking for a job. You don't have to have any other kind of requirements. Anybody can go there. The point of the winter shelter is to save lives, is just to save lives. And in the two years that the shelter has been open, nobody has died from the elements. So that's an amazing piece of it. But what I learned from our one of our shelter managers, who is a recovering addict, who did serve time in a federal penitentiary, who is now you know, she came out and wanted to dedicate her life to helping others in recovery. Mm. And it's the most beautiful, one of the most beautiful things I've ever seen. And she, what is so great about her is when people come through the doors, she knows where they are. She knows where they're coming from. And she also understands the very small victories that we may not know because we haven't experienced addiction. I mean, I think people often have preconceived notions about what homelessness is and why people are homeless. And, you know, we see people through all walks of life who are experiencing this situation, whether it's a survivor of domestic abuse, whether it's someone who does have mental health or substance abuse issues, whether it is someone whose rent outpaced their rate of salary or wages. It could be any number of things. I mean, you talked about the playwright who was in and out of homelessness and homelessness can be a very porous experience, right? And so we're so happy to be able to provide a place where we don't have to say no to anyone. Everyone can come in. Everyone can get support. And I think the other great thing about that winter shelter is that when people go in, everybody gets a job. You come in and you're either you know, making coffee or you're serving food or you're sweeping the floor. And so people take ownership over that. And somehow it becomes a first way to build community. I think that that is something that's a piece of the story that's really missing when people think about that emergency winter shelter that I'm happy to share here. Yeah. And and another thing that occurs to me is you mentioned a moment ago that homelessness is maybe an issue that that not all listeners have direct connection with. Yet, I think it's probably more prominent than than many people think. And we think of people, you mentioned the word porous, like a lot of people in this situation are kind of on the margin. And we've lived through a reality of the margin being pushed to a really narrow place with the affordability crisis and, and housing shortage here in the state of Montana. How is that change that we've lived through over the last few years with, with housing availability affected the, the sort of mix of folks that have uh, coming through your doors. I talked a little bit about our medical respite program earlier. Mm. One of the things about med respite is that it not only is it providing a place for someone who is unhoused to go to to recover from injury or illness, but it is taking some of the pressure off of our emergency medical services, off, off of our hospitals, off of our police force. That is a very expensive program. And it's a program that is very hard to raise money for. And so the Pavarolo is part of a statewide coalition that is working to create awareness around programs like this and hopefully create some legislative change so that we could you know, see a policy in place in the future where shelters like the Pavarolo Center could bill Medicare for a medical respite program or for shelter services. You know, in terms of that question about folks in the margins, an interesting way we've been seeing that is with local artists. 
Mm, We used to have a much larger stable of folk that we could support with commissions or hiring them. Our policy is that we pay everybody. Every artist deserves to be paid for their work. That pool that we used to be able to draw from has gotten smaller and Mm. smaller and smaller because some of these folks who are artists in our community who probably the margins for them were much smaller, that's collapsed. I've talked to so many artist friends who have lost their rental because the house has been sold or because it's been converted into an Airbnb and they've left town. And so we've seen a real talent drain in Missoula since all this has started happening. Wow. Stephanie, I don't, you might not want to touch this one, but you mentioned a, a little bit ago that, that language matters and we're kind of living, maybe we're constantly in an, in an era where language is fraught, but you know, they're, they're, terms you can use, terms you can't use, people sort of, speech makes people uncomfortable and some of that is by design and good. But I'm experiencing sort of a a shift in language around homelessness. We hear people experiencing homelessness, a person experiencing homelessness, unhoused, person experiencing being unhoused. And so some listeners might hear that and sort of throw up their hands and be like, oh, I can't use it. I don't know what to say anymore. But like, why are these terms changing? Like you said, language matters. And I think that when you say the word homeless, home is a deeper meaning than just a house. Correct. Right. Home is where the heart is. I know that's corny, but but, you know, there's a there's a much deeper uh, meaning to the word home. And and when you say that, it implies that that one, someone doesn't have that kind of warmth, that hearth, that family, that background. Um, whereas I don't think people who are living unhoused feel that way. They're just living unhoused. Um, when you say the term homeless population, there's no such thing as a homeless population. Mm. There's no such thing as a homeless community. Everybody who is living unhoused has a different story. And I think that it is crucial to understand what those different stories are in order to become empathetic as a society. Yeah. And that's why I think theater and the play like this can help so much to help people understand. Yeah, and I'll even say I'm glad that you said home because I mean the play is called Hearth. Yeah. <laughs> right? And 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 rather I, you know sometimes we say that this play is about homelessness or about folks who are experiencing homelessness, but in actuality this play is about home. Mm. Yeah. This play is about what we consider home and how what we might consider home and community and family can be radically different depending on who you are and your circumstances. Mm-hmm. And and at its heart, this is about a group of people who have created their own family yeah. and their own home. Yeah, that's. I'm really glad that you said that. Mm-hmm. And I think when you're looking at people in Missoula that are living unhoused, I talked about the hot team and people who are working with um, chronically unsheltered folks. And I think a lot of people know about the authorized camping shelter and people who are staying under Reserve Street. And I think there's a lot of preconceived notions about what that was. But I mean, for a lot of people, that was home. And I understand. It's, I don't think it's a good home. I think that people should have a, a house over their head, you know, a roof over their head and have warmth and have comforts. But for some people, that's all the comforts that they can have at that time. And to take that away, I feel like, is, is, is very unfair. And so, you know, I look forward to Missoula, Montana, you know, just society in general, trying to figure out ways to help people to maintain a home, whether it's a traditional home or the type of home that we're seeing where people who are living unhoused, and to be able to survive with dignity. And for people to understand that that is a necessity to feel human. Mm-hmm. 
Oftentimes, our homeless outreach team or our intake workers will help people try to get a state ID or a birth certificate because they can't even take a first step into getting a home if they don't have those things, into getting into a house if they don't have those things. So I think there's a lot of thoughts of, oh, people are unemployed or they're lazy or they don't want to work. And I just think there's so many more issues there. If you don't know how to get an ID and you don't have any money to get an ID Mm -hmm. because it costs money to do that, how do you get a job? I've heard it phrased like it's really expensive to be poor. Yeah. Yeah. And and there's a lot of truth to that. Like if, if you don't have a bank account, if you don't have an ID, just the the, the things you need to do to get over the hump of getting those things. And when it t- comes to housing, like scrounging enough together to get a, a security deposit, getting over the hump on some some threshold is often the thing that stands between you know somebody having a house and not. Mm-hmm. So, Michael, in our remaining time, let us know the details. What do people have to know yeah. to, to get out and see this amazing production? It's so easy. So Hearth, A Yuletide Tale, which is co-written, by the way, by, uh, by Tyson Gar- Gerhardt and Kate R. Morris, who's another local theater staple here and has produced some plays. It's going to be at the Masker Theater on the campus of the University of right. Montana. Uh, tickets are available on montanarep.com. Yeah. And I think I should also always say that because of the generosity of Northwestern Energy, our tickets are pick what you pay because we also believe that cost should never be a barrier to art. So anybody can come no matter what you decide to plop down for a ticket, even if it's nothing, come see the show. Do y'all ever do an analysis of what people actually pay? Like, does it end up being more generous than the average, t- than the spe- specified ticket price would be? You know, we do look at that kind of thing. And the, the statistic that I am the most proud of in terms of what this program has done for us is that last season, about 60% of the people who came to see a show at the Rep had never been to see a show there Amazing. before. And a large percentage of those are paying at or under what our normal prices would be. People are coming. People are coming to see the work, and that's what's really, really satisfying. That's really cool. Is there anything happening to give folks at the POV access to the to the show? Yeah, I mean, I think that's the big one. Like, anybody there who wants to come can just come. That's great. Yeah. We're awesome. definitely sharing it with our staff. And, and the uh, rep has also really generously offered to do a drive for us yeah. um, during the show. And so... I'm just going to take this opportunity to share what we might need. Please do. Um, Definitely during this winter, we are looking for blankets, preferably blankets that are easy to wash and dry. Mm -hmm. Believe it or not, we do all of our own laundry there. And we do have a couple of uh, industrial machines. But, you know, blankets take a long time to dry. Any kind of great, easy wash and dry blankets. Sheets, towels. Um, we have a shower trailer there, so we definitely need towels. Warm clothes. As far as warm clothes go, jackets, scarves, hats, gloves, definitely gloves, socks, warm winter boots, kind of the bigger ticket items that will really keep people warm is really what we're looking for. Hand warmers, toe warmers, yeah. that kind of thing. And, and for folks that don't have any of those types of things who happen to have dollars, where would you point them? You can go to the org slash donate, and we would be happy to process any donation for you, help you figure out ways that you want to invest that might, um, you know, be more suitable for you. We also have an Amazon wish list on our website. If you don't have any of those things at home and you want to purchase some stuff for us, you can send it to us that way. There's a whole list of different supplies that we need on the regular cleaning supplies, food, things like that. Awesome. Well, 
Great thanks to you both for the important role you play in this community and beyond. Uh, Calling attention to these issues, doing things to actually support people in need. That is what the holidays should be all about. Absolutely. uh, Really appreciate you coming in here and telling us a little bit more about it. Thanks for having us. Thanks for letting us share. Thanks for listening to A New Angle. We really appreciate it. And we're coming to you from Studio 49, a generous gift from UM alums Michelle and Lauren Hansen. A New Angle is presented by First Security Bank, Blackfoot Communications, and the University of Montana College of Business. With additional support from Consolidated Electrical Distributors, Drum Coffee, and Montana Public Radio. Keely Larson is our producer. VTO, Jeff Amet, and John Wicks made our music. Editing by Nick Mott. Social media by AJ Williams. And Jeff Neese is our master of all things sound. Thanks a lot, and see you next time.